Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Bye. So, Roy felt that was Jelly Pee again? Allie's son? How old are you? This is Dum De Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm Philippa Hall, cigar-stained but still the spirit of spring. Alongside me, staring at her guttering and refusing to wear her expensive scarf is... Rosie Porty. And reeking of aquaponics poem, we have... The fragrant Quentin Rayner. Finally, there's you, our listeners, who we think of as proper we people... But where is Royfield, we hear you squeal? Well, the last we heard, he'd just popped out for some hand cream. But the truth is, like Rex's little piggies, he's beginning to pack his dum dum bags to move to fresh pastures. Rest assured, he's still pulling the strings behind the scenes and will be popping in quite regularly as he gradually hands the ropes over to us. In fact, he'll be on next week with me as normal, so there's no getting rid of him. <laughs> anyway, this week's amazing dum dum is from Ali and Jelly Pea. That was Brilliant, guys. And on this week's episode, we hear from Ambridge Pony Club, Daniel, General Store, Melly, Isabel, Bernadette and Mark from Belfast. So, Quentin, Rosie, how are you both? Oh, very well, thank you, Philip. I hope you're well as well. Uh, Rosie, I understand uh, you've been up the swanee. I've been guarding a swan this week, Quentin and Philippa. So my new pastime is spending hours and hours and hours in my local park looking after a lovely swan called Bonnie, who is brooding six eggs at the minute. Hopefully she'll be having her signets in the next week or so. But she's been under attack from an aggressive male swan. So myself, Doris, 
a girl called Abby and her dad have been taking it in turns to protect Bonnie from a nasty swan who wants to get at her eggs. So that's my new pastime, Swan Watch. Swan Watch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Quentin, you've been getting back into the swing of something, haven't you? I have. I've been taking up things that I've um, not done for quite a while. Uh, I started with five-a-side football, which I hadn't played for quite uh, for months and months because of lockdown and so forth. And I've just about recovered from the muscle ache from that. I've been on a bike <laughs> ride through Sherwood Forest. I've been concentrating on my core, girls. I've been Ooh. working it, working it, yes. <laughs> um, Susan style. Um, <laughs> and feeling the pain like Susan did. I think what I'm doing actually is firming the paunch. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, my wife keeps pointing at it, saying, "Well, it's still there, isn't it?" But uh, the Aww. the swing reference is: I picked up a golf club for the first time in five years, and rather uh, voyeuristically, I videoed myself playing just to see if it was still any good. And I sent you the video, didn't I, girls? And I think you were very impressed. Very impressed. I mean, I wouldn't know a golf club from a, a hockey stick, but I'm, I, it looked good to me. You, you like what I do with my knees, Rosie, apparently. There was wonderful knee action. <laughs> so everybody out there who, including the lady who was thinking about Quentin in the bath with her radox, just oh, yeah. imagine him yes. bending his knees and arching backwards oh. and just making it all happen. God, this is totally I was very well. impressed. Yeah, it was all in slow-mo <laughs> as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It was in slow-mo, yeah. which I didn't know you could do with a, with a phone. Nice, you learned something. Quentin what is a... uber-technical. I'm learning all sorts <laughs> of things about him as, as the weeks progress. Philippa, have your children been a, been a delight to you this week? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm just continuing my midlife crisis. So last week I had a tattoo done and this week I had, gosh, nearly 10 inches chopped off my hair. And wow. uh, I well, I, I did it because I wanted to and I did it for charity. You can send your hair off to be made into wigs for, for children with cancer. So I've, I've done all of that. But I walked back in the house feeling just like a new woman. I thought, this is the great look. It's 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 just amazing. My daughter burst out laughing and my son said, well, that's a total disaster. So I'm feeling, feeling a bit sad now, to be honest. I'm sure you look beautiful, Philippa, and well done you for, you know, helping others. <laughs> well, that was our week. Let's find out from Amber about the week in Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on This Week in Ambridge... Tracy is wary about making the same mistakes as Jade. Rest assured, Tracy, keep food limited to one orifice only. Don't imply that anyone is either boring, a pedo, or both, and you'll be on to a winner. Between a no-show from her daughter, a day of thinking about gutters, and a forceful proposition of having pigs roaming around her stately home... Lizzie's birthday was an absolute winner. Suddenly, that unoriginal, wildly expensive silk scarf from Vince is sounding much lovelier. Alice's downward spiral finds a new low each week, and I'm not sure how much further my heart can sink. Please, please, scriptwriters. I can't take it. Kate will be pleased, though. Godparent spot up for grabs. And that was the week in Ambridge. Oh, super. Well, thank you, Amber. Now we need to get to the core of it. We need to hear your views. And if someone wants to get in contact, how can they do that? To contact us, go to dumptydum.com and leave a voice message on SpeakPipe or send an email via the contact us box. 
You can send us a text to 07957 167 696 or send a WhatsApp voice note. If you're outside the UK, it's 004-4-7-9-5-7-1-6-7-6-9-6. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's Jen from Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, Professor Royfield, Philippa, Quentin, Rosie, um, whoever's on this week. It's Jen on a glorious sunny day on the Curragh of Kildare. Uh, just calling in about Rex and the land fairy delivering his pigs. I think there's quite a big crossover between the Archers and PG Woodhouse fans. <laughs> and I'd just like plot prediction. I'd like to see Rex as Lord Emsworth. He gets together with Lily, gets rid of Russ, has his large Gloucester old spot wandering around the oak forest, and then occasionally erupts into the drawing room in a pair of smelly coveralls. So that's where I'd like the future of Laura Luxley to be. Freddie and Lily running the place, obviously her doing most of the work, with Rex as her consort. And yeah, I don't know what we do with Freddie. Really, I'd like to send him off to Ibiza and get rid of him, but that's just me. So, yep, that's just my thoughts on the completely impractical pig enterprise starting at Lower Loxley. Just being interfered with by a gang of sheep, so I better go. This is life on the car of Kildare. Love to everyone in Dumpty Dumland. Well, um, amazing to hear from Ambridge Pony Club in the car of Kildare, which I've just been kind of doing some research into, and it's owned by the Department of Defence. In oh. Ireland, um, but there's, and there's 150 people who have the rights to graze the commonage under the Curra of Kildare Act. So a bit of history there. There's, there's lots of crossovers between the Archers and, say, SPG yes, Woodhouse, also um, EF Benson, Map and Lucia, and potentially some other more topical programs. And I think there is just this, I mean, for me, I would like um, Lily to get rid of Russ. So if that yes. means she gets together with Rex, then we get to say goodbye to Russ. So I would love that to happen. I mean, I think, um, I think Quentin, you quite like having Russ around because you get to use your slug photo on Twitter, I do. don't you? <clears throat> I do. That's the only reason I like to hear from Russ because I get out of my favourites folder and slap it on Twitter and people love it. This slimy slug that I... <laughs> photographed uh last year sliding down our wall i thought that's russ but he's hardly on isn't he so um, that's the fallout from this um this romantic suggestion from jen uh to get rex and lily together they were getting a bit cozy weren't they they were getting a bit she was very very friendly with him in the car whether she was just delighted that she didn't have to deign to catch a bus i don't know but um it was getting a bit of a head of steam on the old socials, Rex and Lily. I always thought Rex would get together with Pip, and he's sort of fallen out with that lot, hasn't he? Mm. Um, so um, 150 people can graze, did you say, have, have rights on the Curragh of Kildare. That's right. Um, it's zero, isn't it, Lower Loxley? Because Elizabeth <laughs> 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 said, no way. He said, they no. smell and they might escape. <laughs> so they're more generous on the Curragh of Kildare, the Department of Defence, than, than Lizzie. 
Yeah, I think Lizzie could learn some lessons from the cover of Kildare, to be honest, because she was sort of so damning of her assessment of Rex as well, calling him, I think she called him weedy or something. No, needy. needy. Oh, needy. Very needy man, yes. Which I thought was, was a bit brutal. Um, were you surprised by her brutality, Philippa? Well, I was surprised and I was kind of rooting for Rex to get the land because it would be a simple solution. Yeah. But then I keep remembering that phone call that he had with the, the farmer who he was trying to negotiate the land. And he was so dismissive and actually rude mm. uh, and then mm. was surprised that the farmer had put the phone down on him. So I, I'm not sure what what is going on with Rex at the moment. But I love the P.G. Woodhouse reference that, that Jen's made. I think, you know, you can just imagine it being Blandings and... Evangeline would fit in beautifully to that scenario. But then it made me think about taking P.G. Woodhouse another step further, Jeeves and Worcester, which characters in Ambridge would be Jeeves and Worcester? I was thinking maybe Freddie and Jim. I don't know. What do, what do you two think? Who's, who's the complete twit in Ambridge? Um, <laughs> Toby. <laughs> Toby would be my, I think Toby would be, be my kind of first choice for an upper class twit. Okay, and who would be uh, Worcester then to, Ooh, think, to balance against I think Jim. That? I think Jim. Yeah. Jim, yes. you're right. Jim. Yes. Yes. Oh, very good. Well, thanks, Jen. That was great. Now let's hear from the wonderful Daniel. Hello. Semi-long-time listener. That's about six months. First time caller in a I'm called Daniel. Um, and I'm calling in from a sunny garden in northeast Fife. My vintage is a bit of a tricky one because I'm one of these people whose families were Archer's listeners. So at some point I sort of adopted the show. Um, I think the first character I remember being introduced is Jude, but fully probably Charlie Thomas, Justin Elliott era, uh, just to give some sort of idea. The thing I'm calling in about is regional accents in Ambridge. I think the, correct me if I'm wrong, the nearest non-fictional settlement that gets discussed is Birmingham. But I've over the years had a curiosity about what is the regional accent, if there is any, in the village of Ambridge. The Grundies I always had pegged as West Country folk, but I've been told that they might be have a black country accent. I'm not that clued up on that sort of thing. Then you've got Harrison Burns, who's I imagine a Yorkshireman, who, I don't know, got transferred. And then Tracy Horobin's another mystery for me, because she not only doesn't sound like a lot of people in the village. She also doesn't really sound at all like her sister. So um, any ideas on the sort of regional accents of Borsetshire generally? Bye for now. Uh, hopefully I'll call in soon. I listened to a an audio play uh, very early this morning and the accents in that reminded me a little bit of Ambridge. And it could almost have been Emma on a windswept Dartmoor morning meeting the love of her life i think and just to say daniel i'm kind of waving at you from across the water from portobello near edinburgh because mm. you know northeast fife isn't that far away from me at all and many many years ago there was a hovercraft between kirkcaldy and portobello so there you go maybe we could like bring the, bring back the hovercraft type thingy and we could meet up <laughs> you know midway across the fourth that would be awesome i think in terms in terms of the accents it's a it's a middling thing it's kind of there are midlands accents that come through but also i think southwestern inflections from kind of dorset that's what i kind of hear from the kind of older members of the the ambridge crew but i think 
you know, in terms of the, the younger actors, it can be quite difficult to tell them apart because they don't particularly have a strong rural accent other than mm. Mia when she was coming in and she was smashing the patriarchy in a kind of Southwestern accent. Um, I mean, my accent is completely different to my siblings because we moved around a lot as children. So I was I going think... to ask, Rosie, because you've got a real mixture of accents in there. You've got, there's Lancashire in there, isn't there? And there's a bit of East Midlands and all sorts. It's a it's it's a melange, um, <laughs> but yes, it's my, so, so my accent's strange, and people think I'm from New Zealand or from Somerset at times. So I think it's kind of it's it's, it's interesting. I don't think you could um, kind of get a cartographer and draw a map of where all of the characters come from because they do all sound quite different to me. Mm. Um, but I mean, I mean, Quentin, do you have any roots in in Northeast Fife that you could? <laughs> bring forward to not, talk about not when i last checked no. <laughs> no no scottish roots i think i'm an eighth irish but everybody is aren't they i think you should uh, recruit daniel for for uh, for a swan watch definitely rosie yes daniel please come across the water and help me protect bonnie the swan yeah because um, i've just ordered some badges so i'll give you a badge if you join my merry band <laughs> <laughs> bribery um yeah the, the the accents are very odd aren't they because um, the, we're meant to be near Birmingham and the Grundies don't sound anything like Royfield, do they? Let's be honest. Um, Harrison is obviously from Yorkshire, as is Johnny. It's the Horribans slash Carters that, that get me. I mean, I cannot place Susan Carter and Emma Carter's accents. Um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there was a time when I was very prone to switching the radio off and wanting to switch the radio off when Susan and Emma were at it together because it just did my head in this combination of this bizarre accent that I couldn't place and massacring of various words. I mean, the other day, Emma referred to um, George was at her son at 16 having some money, money. I mean, what? I sort of think, what? what? Oh, money, right. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, I, I get the. I, I agree with Daniel about that. Tracy and Susan don't really sound related, do they? So, and then we got Neil in there as well with a sort of a, 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 a sort of rural stereotypical accent. So, just stick a pin in a map, sort of anywhere southwest of Birmingham, and you, you might get some some consistency. I think it's interesting because um, sometimes I complain if I can't recognise which character is speaking. So I understand that they need to have a whole range of different accents so that we can almost immediately get who's speaking. Um, and of course, we don't have Joe Grundy anymore announcing, oh, David Archer and all of that. When he... So we do need these this range of accents, I think, to be able to identify each character. But um, speaking of accents and, and the archers, I have to say, whenever I would read Harry Potter to my children, I would and I would need a voice for Hagrid. I would always channel Joe Grundy. And in my head, before I started reading the story, I would always say, fine words, don't butter, no parsnips. And that for me is Hagrid <laughs> all over. So uh, I like the variety of accents, but I understand it's a it's a it's a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, they're very inconsistent, aren't they? You can't place it. And I presume, in a way, that's the whole point, isn't it? I mean, Ambridge is notionally near Birmingham, and that's all we need to know, I suppose. 
Yes, I'm just so happy to have the archers back on. Oh, yes, it's only four times a week, but just just to hear the, some variety of voices, I, I'll I'll take whatever accent they they throw at me. I think at the moment. What about you, Rosie? Can you cope with it? I can, and I think I mean I like the the variety, and again, and in a in a little way, it's about class as well because the different sort of family, you know, the, so the the different dynasties with Ambridge have different mm. accents and different tonalities as well. And so you can kind of, there's a little bit about it where you can, you know, you, you can see the differentiation and the delineation between Emma talking about her, her chimeneas <laughs> and Georgie um, yeah. versus sort of, you know, Jenny Darling mm. and her quiche and then horrific Kate with her awful strangulated vowels I mean, it feels a little bit like Kate's yoga pants are too tight at the moment because she's just strangling her voice. You see, the only the only legit accent really is Vince, isn't he? He's a, he's a proper brummy. Yes, that's true. Like, and where's Vince gone? I want more Vince. He's disappeared. He's coming back this week. Is he? Oh, good. He is. He's, oh, he's good. coming up this week, as is Joy Horville. Oh, really? I mean, Vince wants <gasps> and to I know. love her. What Liz has done with his expensive scarf for a start, I'm sure. But jo- Joy's back, is she? Joy's back. Oh, good. And she's turning the tables. Oh, very good. I'm very uh, excited about this week. I think it's going to be uh, – the, 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 the week coming up is going to be phenomenal because Joy is in it. Vince is in it. Light relief, I'm hoping. Yeah, we need it. I certainly think we do. And uh, another wonderful thing is to be able to welcome back General Store to the Dum De Dum Corner Inners. Hi, Royfield and Dum De Dummers worldwide. It's General Store here from a very chilly London W10. Sorry, I haven't been in touch for a long while, but I really lost my way with the archers. Don't know why, but it was something very similar that Royfield mentioned maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago. And I just felt the four episodes a week somehow didn't grip me. And I really ended up listening out of duty and habit more than anything else. But the last few weeks have really increased my interest greatly. And I thought last week was fantastic. I loved the... Uh, Jazza and Tracy development of their relationship, how she's starting to give him some backbone and will be the making of him. And I'm so pleased that she and Jim are getting on so well. Really heartwarming for me. And of course, in great contrast, we have the Alice and Chris story, which of course stepped up a notch again this week. And I must say, I thought Fallon was immensely unsympathetic and threw a hand grenade into that marriage very deliberately, I think, which was very unlike her. Who knows what's going to happen? But I hope that Alice and Chris find a way of reaching back to each other and getting over the lack of trust that has suddenly developed because of a drunken kiss with Harrison. And finally, Rex and Lily. Maybe there's a romance in the future there. Um, And I thought that they could make a very, very nice couple. Anyway, we feel very sorry to hear you're going. Thanks for everything. All the best. Welcome back, General Store, from a very chilly Notting Hill 
it sounds like it's been it's been lovely and warm up in Scotland, but suddenly today the kind of the cold began again. So we're back into a standard Scottish spring. Fallon reaching for the hand grenade is such a great way of expressing what Fallon did. Um, I think Fallon is projecting her childhood anger against her dad onto Alice in a really cruel and cold-hearted way. And it just really, it surprised me tremendously that Fallon would be so cold to one of her best friends, a woman who has had a premature birth that's been hugely traumatic. And, you know, um, Fallon just, it was just, it, it seemed to me like projection of unresolved issues with her father that she should go and see Lizzie's therapist about and get that sorted and then get back to being a lovely friend because I was horrified by her attitude. I know it would have been a shock um, when Harrison splurged about the kind of attempted kiss, but it wasn't anything serious. And it was just a symptom of Alice's problem. So I was absolutely horrified by Fallon. She is now on my naughty list and until she gets that therapy I'm not sure she's, she's going to make it back onto my my lovely list anytime soon I mean I mean Quentin mm. did you think Fallon's reaction was was like realistic or no, no I completely agree with you I, I thought it was utterly uh, disproportional um, and wasn't really in keeping with her because she's normally got her head screwed on and I thought she was pretty brutal and cruel to be honest but I um I put out a tweet suggesting, and it got a lot of likes and approval and agreement, suggesting that it was less to do with the drunken pass at Harrison and more to do with her concern that Martha has reawakened Harrison's paternalism, his wish for a child, because a week or so ago she was really unnerved wasn't she when he came back cooing mm, with that photo yeah cooing about martha and uh, saying oh are you getting second thoughts again and uh, he was saying no no no, don't worry the good thing is we can you can hand them back which is a great big cliche um i wasn't convinced by that i think harrison is desperate for a child and he's out of love for fallon he's making out that he's fine with it i don't think he's fine with it and i think fallon knows he's not fine with it but here was an opportunity to to cut that umbilical cord if you like by saying because of this, we don't want to be godparents because, of course, there was a chance that if they're godparents, there's increased contact with Martha and that will encourage Harrison's feelings still further. So I think she's actually been quite calculating. She's seen an opportunity to reduce that risk that Harrison will put pressure on her to have a child is my take on it. Gosh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about the the child aspect with Fallon's reaction. I just thought it was purely coming because of she could see all the the lies that she'd been told um, by Alice and the fact of her father Wayne and and all that she'd gone through with him. But it it just made me think now. If someone says to me, "Oh, I'm I'm going to go off to Bath for a week." I'd be like, oh, my goodness, do, do you need to sit down? Do we need to talk about that? Is, is that going to be a euphemism now for, you know, going to Bath? Is you, you're going to into rehab? I mean, Bath will never be the same again. It's 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 like Lakey Hill, isn't it? It means something yes. else. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. We can have all of these. My <laughs> no, goodness. Not quite but I did, as enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> but I did hear in Fallon's voice th- this sort of bewilderment when um, Harrison was telling her about the whole alcohol story and going to rehab, that she was her perception of her friendship was just being fractured. So I don't know if she'd have handled it differently if it was just alcoholism on its own. She contradicted herself as well because she she expressed surprise that um, Alice is an alcoholic. And yet the line before when Harrison said that she was drunk, she said, oh, that's typical of Alice. So you think, well, you spotted that she likes her booze and now you're surprised she's an alcoholic. It just didn't ring true. And I would have expected a far more grown-up response from her. She, you know, she could see that Harrison was being honest with her and upfront and saying, look, I, I had nothing to do with me. She made this drunken pass. I'm being honest with you. Um, so that I th- instead of having an adult conversation about it, she was rather petulant and childish. And then, as I said, I think she spotted an opportunity and exploited it ruthlessly. Oh, I just wouldn't. I didn't feel it was ruthless at all. I thought it was just wounded more th- more than anything. But m- maybe I'm just uh, got my rose tinted glasses on. Take Rosie- them off. Take them off. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I'm going to staple them on. They're staying there. Rosie, have you got your rose tinted glasses on then, or or not? It's just me. Um, I think. I mean, I like to be. I think, hopefully, kind of empathetic towards people going through shock. And I think that it would have been a massive shock to be to have all this stuff downloaded onto you. And I think mm. probably what sort of what what's, what really drove her being so callous was that Harrison has withheld this information from her for like five months. Yes, and he should have told Alice immediately, and he should have disregarded both Alice and Chris saying, "Don't tell anyone," because Fallon was Alice's friend she would have been able to provide pragmatic support. She could have been, you know, a listening ear and Mm. she could have helped to kind of balance everything out. And so because, you know, Harrison's, it's, it's that whole thing. It's lying by omission. And when it comes down to it, it's still lying. So I think that kind of it's shaken kind of Fallon's kind of belief in her marriage vows. I think that, the whole ch- the children thing has read its head again. Uh, she mm. really doesn't want to have children, and she's married to a man who wants children. Mm. But as but as soon as soon as it impacted on on Fallon, the fact that Alice had made a pass, Harrison was honest with her. Up to that point, he was sworn to secrecy. I take your point, but he was trying to do keep everybody happy, wasn't mm. he? He was in an invidious position. I thought really. He was. And at the very beginning of the first episode of the week, when he told Alice that he hadn't actually um, informed Fallon of what had happened yet, I just thought, oh, no, Mm. come on, you've got you've got to say it. And so I was relieved when he actually did, because that that could have gone on and and, and been an even sorrier tale. But I do think this issue of childhood or having children is very interesting, because for me, the alcohol story was going to be much more of a slow burn. throughout the drama and then suddenly once Alice was pregnant and when she'd had the baby it it sort of exploded and this pressure this extra pressure of having a child has just transformed Alice from 
just about getting through life to to completely destroyed by it. And I think that's a very interesting portrayal on how, and I've said it before, but how having children isn't for everybody and how it, it has, it's playing its part in destroying Alice. I, I agree. And, and she didn't want children. And I think, you know, in terms of her pregnancy, it wasn't planned. She yeah. had no control over it. And one of her, you know, she's, uh, a highly academic, achievement-orientated person who's had their their wings clipped by marriage, by Chris's accident. And she, she said that to Harrison in the car. You know, she said, I used to design aeroplanes and now look at me. And she feels, you know, and, and that lack of control over her life, she has no no agency. And this pregnancy has has kind of, as you say, Philippa, has exploded at all. I think she had quite a good um, artifice, maybe the wrong word, but quite a good cover story. And it was only really Debbie that kind of cottoned on to the fact there was something a bit wrong with how she'd left Price Bowman. Um, And then Mm. I think Brian worked with that as well. But I think she's been a functioning alcoholic for maybe 12, 14 years so she's managed to kind of keep going, keep going, keep going. But this pregnancy, it wasn't her choice. And by the time she found out about it, it was too late. And she's sort of, and now what she's sort of doing is she's kind of debasing herself to um, be rejected by Chris. And because she feels so worthless, she feels that she's not, you know, um, worth loving and it's awful. And I think the scriptwriters have been tremendous in how they've created this really, really tiny world for her that has just kind of imploded. And they've drawn it out incredibly well. It's painful to listen to. Yeah, I think it's incredibly heartrending. And I think they've just done an amazing job. I mean, Nick Warburton, is an amazing writer and he was writing some of last week's episodes and he does rural darkness incredibly well. And that's, I think where we are, but I'm hopeful for Alice. There is a way through this. Um, you know, she can, she can come through this and, and Martha will hopefully be okay as well. So I think in terms of the future for Alice, I do have my rose tinted specs on <laughs> because recovery is possible and having a uh, a loving relationship with your child is possible regardless of the circumstances of how they came to be so yes i am positive and yet sorry to put a dampener on it on feedback this week roger bolton said alice has further to fall before things improve you kind of go how much further can well, I think yeah. being forced to live in one of Kate's yurts is going to be pretty bad. That'll sober up, won't it? So, if, you know, if, if if she gets dumped in a yurt in freezing May and doesn't have a loo, that's going to be pretty grim. Yeah. So, you know, you'll always be my sister in a yurt. And who's she going to live with now? Now she's left or been booted out? Um, well, she's got options, hasn't she? She's got Auntie Lillian. I think, um, think Lily will take her in, don't you? Auntie mm. Lillian, um, Lizzie has that wedding accommodation that's not used. Um, there's the wedding Peggy? barn Peggy? at Brookfield. How about there's Peggy? Ag- 
Peggy, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? No, no Peggy won't take her in. There's so Adam's Peggy office. Will... There's Adam's office as well. Um, of course, Adam's office has all the ice cream supplies. So if it was me, I'd be I'd be heading there. <laughs> but actually, Alice seems so destroyed. I don't know if she'd have the sort of the gumption to to ask to stay somewhere and to have to explain because she's so fixated on being judged. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where she mm. where she does go. Mm. My money's, oh. my money's on Lillian, I think. Lillian. Well, we'll see. General Store, you've really got us talking. Thank you so much for that call. And and now let's go to Magnificent Melly. Hello, Philippa, Quentin, Rosie Borty and Royfield. Quietly sitting in the background. It's Melly McMary weather calling in again. Uh, quite an intense week all round, I think. I've been thinking. We all know it's dangerous when I do that question I've got is, so we've basically lost a third of the airtime. Now, we know that the scriptwriters plan storylines so far in advance. Would it have been as intense with six episodes a week? Because it feels like the Alice and Chris storyline is an absolute juggernaut because it does take up so much time in the episodes. And I'm wondering, you know, we had some light relief, sort of, from Lillian and Justin this week. Great to hear Lillian's laugh. Brilliant. I need to develop that laugh. I love it. Mm. Um, Cackle, laugh, whatever. But I wonder how it would have played out had we been on pre-COVID, six episodes a week. What storylines have been kind of shelved or, you know, like Royfield talks about the Sunday evening episode, which was always really pedestrian and just comforting and lovely and I'm leaving this message on Sunday night as I'm making Sunday dinner, which is just my easing into, oh, the weekend is over. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on what do you think they've done to allow the the space and the reduced time for the development of, of Alice and Chris's storyline. But anyway, I hope you're all well. It's been super sunny here, so I've been hiding inside because I'm Scottish. Take care. Much love to everybody in the Dum Dum land and a particular shout out to our Drew over there in Tokyo. Hi, guys. The fair skinned Celts. Yeah, we don't really fare that well in the sun, it has to be said. There are lots of people wandering around Portobello with kind of red shoulders because they forgot about the whole suntan lotion thing. And I have to say, I was one of them. I got a bit sunburnt over the weekend too. I think we heard from Andy that the trial of Philip Moss was shelved because of, I think, you know, the the reduced number of recordings. And there were a few other storylines that were just, they just had to be put to one side because there were too many characters in them. But I think mm. if actually they'd um, had six episodes and we had the Philip Moss trial and Alice and Chris at the same time, it would almost be unbearable because we would have heard the Kirsty screech on more than one occasion. And I'm not sure I could emotionally cope with, you know, <laughs> Philip Moss's um, crimes against humanity being read out and all the awful things he's done to, to Blake Kenzie and Jordan and who knows who else and Victoria being brought into it. I'm not sure I could have coped with, with a gang master trial plus the Chris and Alice relationship explosion and, and, and Fallon being a cold and calculating 
nasty lady. So in a way, I think I'm quite glad um, we only have four episodes a week because I don't think my emotion, my emotional well-being could have, could have coped. Um, I don't know. I mean, can, can you remember, Quentin, did, did Andy say anything else? Was Andy Hockley, who plays Philip, did he say anything else about the kind of other things that had been no, he did imply, didn't he, that there just wasn't the uh, the bandwidth to do his trial, which, as I said at the time, I, I felt we were cheated by. Equally, we were cheated when Brian, you know, we didn't hear Brian's trial either, did we? So they do shortcut big dramatic moments, having built them up for months and months. Um, so selfishly... <laughs> Four episodes is easy for us, isn't it? Because there are fewer to review, <laughs> less <laughs> less note taking, <laughs> and hours cogitating about the archers. So selfishly, I'm quite happy with four. Um, but having said that, I, I always feel the week is truncated without that fifth one. It doesn't feel complete. Um, I, I, if you asked me which one I'd want back, I'd probably go for Fridays just to finish it all off and we'll have the cliffhanger because at least we get our, our hit of the archers, don't we, on Sunday with the omnibus. So that would be my choice. But um, it, it was interesting that General Storr just now was saying, wasn't he, that he felt he'd lost his way with the archers and stopped listening for a bit because he felt um, that he, you know, he, he lost his way, didn't have quite the same impact he felt having four across the week mm. and it does truncate it does concentrate I'm, I'm sure alice and chris would have been spread out more thinly over six than four so i think we are we are feeling it aren't we yes i i love having the full six episodes because it just dilutes everything it dilutes the, the horrible moments and i know sometimes you think gosh this is just so well, dull in a way, some of the sections that are included when there were six week, six episodes a week. But that, for me, is is the comfort of Ambridge, that uh, you can escape to it and trust that it's not going to be all sort of doom and gloom and you're going to get these nice light moments as well. But I just wonder as well, because typically on one episode we're hearing probably for about four characters, if they can get back up to their normal amount, how will we feel? Will we suffer from sort of social anxiety just listening to all these characters in one episode? It might it might be too too much for us to cope with. I don't know. Interesting point there, Philip. I think there were a lot of pro piggy tweets and references on other platforms, weren't there? People loved hearing those discussions between Jazza and Neil and the pigs. Uh, pig noises in the background. P- people do like that, don't they? They do like a good old uh, yes. whiff, whiff, whiff of the countryside through their radios. Um, so that has been squeezed out, I think, by these by the bigger narratives. And that what I think that that's what would return with the six. That sense of just normal, rural, sometimes mundane, boring life. But it's a nice antidote to all the other stuff we're going through at the moment. So people do miss that, and they did thoroughly enjoy those pig moments this week. Yes, it's just that extra background, the sort of scene setting. It's like having, instead of a short, sharp chapter to read, it's like a long chapter and just the, the comfort of, mm. of the of the background. But also, um, as Mel has mentioned, I, I love the 
Lillian and, and Justin scene uh, and talking about the time capsule. But my question for you both, because Lillian was saying, oh, well, I want to put in uh, this this piece to remind everyone of Ruby winning the, the dog competition. It seems as if Lillian thinks time capsules are buried for, I don't know, 12 months or something. How, how long would you expect a time capsule to be buried? 50 years minimum. Hmm. So you're sort well, of talking at least... I would say you kind of want two generations gap, don't you, to actually make it interesting? Yeah. I, well, I actually reported on a time capsule uh, in Ooh. my BBC days. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of Richard III. <laughs> he was oh, a- in the Leicester car park. <laughs> yeah. I was 584 wow. years or whatever. So that, that was quite a time capsule. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, 584 years, I think, at minimum. And it needs to be royalty, uh, would be my criteria, yeah. Yeah, that must have been incredible, though, Quentin, to have been involved in the reporting of that. It was because I was there. I was. It was definitely. I, I was there on the very first day. Um, I was in the car park. I was sent there to report for BBC Breakfast as well as my regional news program as well. And we had to get there really early, and we parked the satellite truck uh, in the car park, which is significant. I'll tell you why in a minute. And. Um, Frankly, everybody was thinking, well, this is a bit of a laugh. You know, they had a couple of guys dressed up as medieval knights clanging swords behind <laughs> me. The idea was I'd, I'd do a sort of light-hearted insert into BBC Breakfast several times in the morning and they'd be clanging their swords behind me and I'd have a light-hearted chat with some of the archaeologists and so forth. Although the Richard III Society were very, very serious about it and they were convinced that Richard was there. Mm. Anyway, so we did it and everybody was thinking, well, that was a good laugh on it. And... Um, why I mentioned our satellite truck was I noticed that our satellite truck was parked in a space that had a faded R on it, which meant reserved. <sighs> so we did our bits, did our filming, left. And six hours later, they found a skeleton directly under that R. I'll never forget No, that. Oh yes. my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. So where we parked, we were above Richard III, yeah. Yeah. And I followed it all the way through. And uh, the the news conference, by that stage, had the world's press there, was what I describe later as the best history lesson I'd ever had in my life because history was unfolding before us and the University of Leicester really, really handled it well. They laid it out bit by bit and built the case and built the case and then announced that on the basis of all this evidence, we can say that this skeleton is the lost king, Richard III. And everyone went, whoa, you know. And then they said, any questions? You've got the world's press there. And there were virtually no questions because they'd answered them more. And that was a credit to them that they handled it so well. And the the biggest privilege that day was then we were then asked to bear witness to go and see the actual skeleton itself. We weren't allowed to film and weren't allowed to record, but they wanted us as journalists to say, yes, we have seen it and it it exists. And there was the original skeleton in a case. And there was the curvature of the spine. I was going and, to ask. So, was the, so the curvature of the spine yeah. was, was was obvious? Very obvious, yeah. Very obvious, yeah. He was there. And you could see the wounds to his pelvis and his head, which had killed him, the fatal wounds, because he was stabbed in the buttocks as he was his dead body was thrown across a horse and taken back to Leicester. So somebody had stabbed him as a as an insult in in the buttocks and you could see that wound as well but you saw the fatal wound at the back of his head but the curvature of the spine was fascinating it was there no feet because um some later foundations on that site had been drilled down and had gone through his feet so no feet 
But, you know, over the centuries, if somebody else had put foundations down a, a foot further that way, he, his whole skeleton would have been smashed. So, yeah, amazing. So that's my time capsule. Oh, well, I don't think we can we can beat that. So we better leave Melly and uh, quickly move on to inspirational Isabel. Hi. This week has been more focusing, I think, has been more focusing on um, Jazza and Tracy and Alice and Chris and anything else. So uh, Jazza and Tracy, well, they're getting on all right. I think Jazza and Tracy are well suited for now. And I reckon... Um, Jazz has found his long-term partner. I think saying soulmate's going a bit too far. So I'm glad Trace, like Tracy, has like told Jazza to go for the job at Barrow. It was good listening, listening to uh, you know Jazza's insecurities and that. You know, you usually hear you know the the loud, wild side, but not the more insecure side sort of thing. If you know what I mean. Yeah, so anyway, um, Alice and Chris. I I wish that Alice had just told Chris on Monday, like, come clean at first rather than delaying it. I think it made it worse, delaying telling him. When she was packing, I was like, all right, she's going to leave, you know, just tell tell him it's over. I mean, when I said said on my first call-in that I think it would be better if Alice and Chris split up, I didn't mean like this. I was hoping Chris would approach Alice and just say, right, sorry, Alice, but I can't take the pressure anymore. I can't do it. So we're done, you know, just sort of thing. Um, I didn't anticipate this dramatic exit. Like in that last scene, I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't know what Chris was going to do. I didn't, I didn't, didn't know if he was going to hit her or what. I was glad that he, that he didn't hit her or anything. But the thing is, I think Chris should um, ask Harrison to tell his side of the story because he's only heard Alice's side. It doesn't sound like he believes it. So I think he should tell Harrison, uh, ask Harrison and see if, you know, tell him to give his side of the story. Oh, and I think um, Tracy and Jim get on well (laughs) once they, you know, once they get to know each other a bit. Yeah. So anyway, that's all I've got to say. There's such a challenge for men especially to express their vulnerability and be open about their fears for the future or their insecurities. And I think that was, it was very well bookended by the Jazzer and Tracy conversation about the job at Barrow, where Tracy was just slowly edging him forward and supporting him. And then in a way, the kind of opposite with, with Chris, where he has all of these, these feelings, he is terrified of the situation he's been forced into. He doesn't have um, a support network to reach out to. He doesn't have the resources he needs. He is um, he's angry at um, Alice for having an illness because he doesn't understand what alcoholism actually is and he just feels completely out of his depth and I think what can happen with both men and women is that when um what you know when one is in a situation that makes one feel scared it sends us back into a sort of a childlike state where we are 
um, kind of cowering away and, and hiding and then have to come out fighting. So he's in this sort of childlike state. He's in flight mode and then fight mode. And he really needs to get some support because he's going to ping pong around between these feelings of fear, anger, hatred uh, continually. And that's not going to be good for him. It's not going to be good for Martha and it's not going to be good for Alice. So he really needs to reach out to, um, you know, to get some support because he's in an, again, an invidious position. He didn't choose uh, what's happened. He, uh, he feels very alone. He doesn't want anybody to know. So the feelings of shame are coming through again. And in a way, the kind of the, the kind of the infidelity in inverted commerce gives him a good excuse to kind of not deal with it because he can say, well, you've been unfaithful, so get out. And then he doesn't have to deal with it because, you know, she's been unfaithful to him. So it's it's quite convenient um, that all of this has happened. And I think that's probably why Alice did it in a way. Um, I don't think she consciously chose to do this, but she's pushing him to end their marriage because she feels that she doesn't, she's not, you know, worthy of his love. And that's why she's doing what she's doing in this very self-destructive way. And it's just, sort of, it's it's heartbreaking. I think, you know, Chris, and and it's, I feel I feel incredibly sorry for him. But again, the anger and him not letting her leave—that was really scary. And I think until he's able to uh, receive counselling, speak to an organisation like Calm, and and get some help. I don't think he should be around Alice because he doesn't have the the kind of the toolkit he needs to deal with it. Um, but anyway, I've I've probably repeated myself ad infinitum, as I always do. <laughs> Quentin, <laughs> over to you for the kind of more balanced view. Is there anything left to say? <laughs> I would say that um, the way he responded really betrayed his lack of emotional maturity he just doesn't have the skill set to deal with this he's as he said a couple of weeks ago he's completely out of his depth and it was a strange scene isn't it because she comes in she says i'm going to leave he says no you're not because we can sort this out we love each other we can deal with this then she tells him about the drunken pass at harrison and that's the switch he changes mm. from being desperate to hang on to her at any cost even risking the well-being of their child, which was her main concern. But the suggestion that she fancied Harrison more than him made him turn. And I was really disappointed in that because I thought, oh, for God's sake, man, I mean, it wasn't even a kiss, was it? It was a fumbled, drunken attempt. And it, having said he loves her so much and would fight to keep them together, just that primeval dent to his male ego was enough to twist it and suddenly he's making her leave so she starts with saying i'm leaving and it ends with him saying you're leaving it was a very strange dynamic and i agree with you when he's he's he acted it very well his change in tone of voice was very mm -hmm. sinister was very aggressive was was very intimidating and um i felt very unnerved by it but I also thought, oh, God, you've really shown your true colours here, Chris. You, you just are out of your depth completely. And, yeah, this has got to end. It, you 
you've got to start telling people and seeking help. And we've been saying this for two or three weeks, haven't we? We're all tearing our hair, hair out. They can't cope, either of them. And it's now reached the point, frankly, of no return. And so many people now know anyway that what is there now to keep a secret about. And if they do, it's, it's just going to destroy them. So, yes, uncomfortable scene um, and um, a, a hard listen. Yes, I think it's if you were to look up in the dictionary of what happens if you're um, an alcoholic and you don't get any support, this would be like exhibit A of how badly thing, things will go if you don't have that full support in, in place. Um, it, it's just so hard to listen to. And I think Amber summed it up really well at the beginning when she described it as, you know, Alice's spiral and, and she's quite right with that but on a lighter note Isabel was talking about Jazza and his career choices and it got me thinking who would I who would I want to work for would I prefer to work for Adam in the nice dry um, aquaponics with the fish and the plants or would I want to be in a field with the pigs I don't know Rosie which one which one would you choose I'd be with the pigs with the girls (laughs) I'd be with the girls. The wee people. The wee the people. The wee people. I'd be with the girls in Very the field. Good. Yes. And Quentin, which would you go for? Well, Adam would drive me to the pigs. <laughs> but um, he's not around, so you're okay. I yeah, think I'd be. But one of the best lines was when, was it Tracy said, I'm bored of you moaning about Adam moaning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just summed it up. I mean, can you imagine it? Adam is your boss. It's the only person you see all day. And he. And he just bores, <laughs> bores your origin and moans at you. And then you're just left with your fish. You just go round and round eating <laughs> poo or whatever. Who's eating? I forget what <laughs> aquaponics of what's doing. Yes. Right. The plant, the plants, that's right. The plants eat the poo, don't they? Sorry. And, and then and fresh of, the water. Clever of idea. course, uh, the, the, they can't listen to the archers to escape from it. They haven't no. even got that to no. escape to, poor things. So, but, uh, yes. I th- I, I, yeah, I, th- I, think the, I, think, I think the wee people, his girls, yeah. He's going yeah. back, isn't he? He's going back. Well, I just hope whatever he does, it's for the right reasons, and and he's he's okay because I I like a funny jazzer, but I don't want mm-hmm. a an in trouble jazzer. That's... Well, a lot of people are anticipating a big showdown between Tracy and Hannah. That'll be interesting, won't it? <laughs> mm. Oh, yes, now seat, please. Yes, definitely. Yes, That'd be that. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fight, fight, yeah, fight, fighting in the pig slurry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Isabel. That was great. Now on to the brilliant Bernadette. For the DIR, Bernadette Hawks, Archers fan 2015, crossover hashtags. I have to hold up my hand and admit that I am guilty as charged with this heinous offence. My crime is incorporating the line of duty hashtag alongside the Archers in the tweet along. <laughs> At Dumpty Dum should be proud. Instead, I fear and or sense that at Quentin Rayner in particular is somewhat sniffy about this kind of behaviour. I am convinced that I have recruited at least one new member to the Tweet Along gang, OFG, Organised Fun Gang, and possibly a new listener to the Archers. The same powers of high intellect and that of deduction are required for both programmes. I would argue that it is much harder to work out what is going on in the archers, as we have no visual clues. Anyway, it's all produced by the BBC, 
So there shouldn't be a hashtag crossover problem. BFN, Sergeant Harrison and I have crimes to solve. <laughs> Over and out. Stop the tape. <laughs> it's like being there, isn't it? It's like being in AC12. Oh. Nice one, murder that. Yeah, mashing up the line of duty and the archers hashtags. Whoa. I mean, life is complicated enough, Bernadette, without mashing up those two. Uh, I mean, last night's episode of, of Line of Duty, I'm still recovering. So um, am I sniffy to this behavior? Well, I, I admire the fact that you can split your brain, Bernadette, between the two and, and actually try and unpick both these intricate plots. So um, I doff my cap to you. It's not something I'm going to indulge in, Bernadette, because one is enough. I, I'm, 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 I'm a one narrative man on these things, but I will look out for your um, blending of these two hashtags. I'm going to have to out myself for the DIR as also being a member of the OFG. The Organised Fun Gang. Now, I like the sound yes. of that. Yes. That, how, how do you get membership of that, eh? Um, well, it's 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 an elite selection mm. process, Quentin, that I'm not quite sure you're ready for. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're not able to kind of, you know, cope with the dual narrative of Joy Horville as a UCO, then this is going to be a problem here, isn't there? So I think maybe maybe for like the next season, if there is one, you might, if, if you do mm. your homework mm. and you remember the acronyms yeah. and you can come up with anecdotes about the gills and OCG, and think mm. about who the best chiz would be, then potentially Bernadette may let you in. Okay. But right. it'll take time and a bit of commitment from you, I'm afraid. Yes, yes. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a probationer, obviously, in the MIT, aren't I, as we, <laughs> as we go off the OCG. Absolutely, to get um, membership of the OFG. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of Ninzi, who's another prolific Archer's tweeter. She was mashing up the spiral. Was sp spiral with the archers as well. You know that that brilliant French detective police program. Um, she she was doing a bit of a mashup as well. I, she, I, how can you watch Spiral when you've got to you know reading the subtitles and tweet about it at the same time? I mean, it's just extraordinary. Uh, Quentin, I'm sensing that you're not. How can I say this nicely? You're not so skilled at multitasking. Is, I'm a man. What do you expect? <laughs> Well, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, that's what you're I, implying. I mean, you know, let's, no. let's confront these things, Philippa. Yes. <laughs> I just think you've been roasted brilliantly by, by Bernadette. I and I would like to appoint Bernadette head of marketing for Dumdy Dum because if she can cross over Dumdy Dum with Line of Duty and get more listeners, then Bernadette, I applaud you. I thought that was brilliant. I agree. Fantastic. I want to be a member of the OFG. Well, until you start multitasking, Quentin, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think no, not not admitted. You don't know the password, so you, you can't. You Are can't you a member as well, Philippa? Um, I haven't applied to join, but I'm oh. I'm going to be applying, and and I would like to think that I that I will be allowed because I'm all for line of duty hashtags with uh, with Dumpty Dum and Archers. So uh, let's, but, but, let's spread and, the and joy. And also, also, Philippa, we're, we're able to blend in a little bit of our literary world as well, aren't we? Because we have we Stephen are. Bowden potentially, you know, getting his cocktail making skills out for a certain Portobello-based author, maybe at some point in the future with his yes. wonderful aviation cocktail. Maybe we need to start a Dumpty Dum book club as well. That's that's something else to, to think about. But now, Rosie, I'm asking you this question with fear because I, I don't want to have to do a rap and I'm sure no listeners want me to do a rap. Rosie, 
Do we have any emails? Well, I'm able to give Philippa a break from her rapping skills this week. At yes! Least. Although I love your wraps. I think they're amazing. Um, I, I actually mm. prefer a chicken wrap myself, but I think you are a very good <laughs> rapper. Um, we have an email from a lovely man called Mark from Belfast who has another Alice prediction. Now, I'm not going to attempt a Northern Irish accent because it would come out sounding very strange. It's somewhere, that's somewhere yeah. in the Irish Sea, definitely. In the Morn, the Morn Mountains. Oh, anyway, um, yeah. let's suck some diesel. Anyway, let's not go down that road again with Line of Duty. Um, so um, Mark from Belfast writes... Um, Given how the focus on certain storylines ebbs and flows over time on the archers, I think the fact that there's been so much continued attention on Alice over the past few weeks without a break point is quite telling. I suspect we are working up something major with her, akin to Helen stabbing Rob. I suspect she will make up with Chris after he told her to leave, but there will be some incident at Martha's christening that leads to more people discovering that she's an alcoholic and possibly prompt another stint in rehab. However, I've also been wondering if her almost driving home drunk the other week and the recent mention of cars driving dangerously around Ambridge have been hints that there's going to be a more fatal conclusion to her situation. Ah, Mark, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We've had you know, a uh, almost fatal collision when Nick ran over Matt. Um, years ago, Helen was driving drunk. And didn't she, didn't she hit Mike? Like 20 years ago, wasn't Helen drunk driving? And then she hit Mike, the original, was he a pig man, Mike, or postman? What was Mike? <laughs> I can't remember. He was a man anyway. He was, um, he, he was a, well, I'm thinking he's cows, but obviously there's pigs now. I'm sure he's a cow. Man. I think he's cows. Yeah, he cows. Okay, I'm sure, but but let, that's that's what I'm going for. But everyone will throw their hands up when they're listening to us waffle on and say, "Good grief, what do you guys think you're talking about? We've, we've probably got it wrong." Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for that really cheery email. <laughs> well, just. Well, to re- Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, when, when I heard uh, Jazza talk about the car going past so fast with Neil, I thought, oh, my goodness, who's that? They didn't name who the person was. Um, Linda wasn't there with a speed gun, so we don't know. But, oh, I just, I hope Mark isn't right. But I, I, he could be right on the nose with that. Quentin, what do you, what do you think? Well, I've, I've heard a conspiracy theory being touted on the various platforms that actually it's it's a way for the actor Holly Chapman to get out of the archers because she's got some better offers. I don't, I don't know if there's any truth to that at all because oh. it's, it's been quite a platform for her to show her abilities, hasn't it, this yeah. storyline. So maybe it's a clever ruse to get her out of Ambridge. Mm. Um, who knows? Who knows? But we do know from feedback, as I said before, that Alice has further to fall before things improve. So she's going to be around for a bit, isn't she? Yeah. Well, she, become, she becomes a silent character, but she can't be, can she? We will see. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you for your email and, and your view. And thank you for your email so that I don't have to do a wrap. I am very grateful. But uh, from 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Jim. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mark, let's sit back for some socials with Amber. Hello again, Dumpty Dum. It's Amber, this time with this week's social media roundup. You've all been debating as to whether Fallon has acted in an out-of-character fashion. I think this is an interesting discussion to be having because, as usual, we're forced to negotiate that tricky space between docu versus drama, balancing how long we've known these characters as people and a sense of it as a soap. I won't rest too long on this one since I'm certain this is ground that's going to be covered elsewhere, but some highlights include Kate Lyle's implication of potential scriptwriter misogyny. Wait, did Fallon do that simply because Alice made a drunken pass at Harrison? Seriously? A strong, independent, sensible woman reduced to a get-your-hands-off-my-man-soap-opera sensibility in the face of a potential disaster? God, the scriptwriters hate women. There was a variety of response to this and um, Mariad Elizabeth Gini, I hope I've pronounced that right, chimed in saying, 
I thought it was the lying about alcohol leading to Fallon feeling like she couldn't trust Alice anymore and therefore didn't want to tie the two families together. Fallon might be able to forgive Alice with time and space, but that's hardly easy when you're about to be made godparents. Kate Pazisky said, I applaud her. She has personal experience with a parent who abused alcohol and let down over and over, as she stated to Alice. She can sense similar trouble and she moved to protect herself. If she can't feel good about a situation, she should not take on an important role like godparent. It is okay to protect yourself from future harm. Additionally, Sarah Evans pointed us in the direction of a post with two grim pieces of news. Not only will we not be getting Sundays back for the foreseeable future, but Roger Bolton has said that Alice will fall further before things improve. Anna Fry looked at this with an admirable optimism. Perhaps that's just as well. As if we have more gruelling Alice episodes to look forward to, I can only take so much of that. Me too, Anna. Me too. We've also been big on the pigs. Martin van den Hovel said, Pigs at a stately home? How very PG Woodhouse. We've been much bigger on pigs than our Lizzie, it seems. Helen Selim put out a poll to gauge the collective hive mind verdict. Okay, so do we think Elizabeth was? First, with 40 votes, being unreasonable because Rex is a fair brother. Second, with 30 votes, being too quick to say no because she's feeling a bit cross but will come round. Third, with 21 votes, not being unreasonable at all. All her points were valid and fair. And fourth, with ten votes, being unreasonable because she was upset that she'd spent her birthday doing admin. Marion Newitt had a very practical um, comment to say on this. There are a lot of rules and regs with pigs, movement restrictions, hygiene regulations, and unless Elizabeth signs over that piece of land to Rex completely, she will have ultimate responsibility. It's not just a case of bringing them up on a trailer and letting them out. Lily being a bit naive, but Rex should have known better. Witherspoon, balanced as ever, as I always say, said it was a combination of all four. I, as always, agree. And of course, this week can't go without a mention of our favourite dream team, Trazza. Rachel Moss chiming in with a lovely little comment of Jazza plus Tracy forever. And that was our week in the social media channel. Thank you all very much and goodbye. Thank you all, Amber. That was brilliant. So now we come to the incredible time where we have Tweet of the Week. Quentin, are you ready for the challenge? I'm coiled. I'm coiled as ever for this challenge. <laughs> yes. Let's hear it. Right. Of course, we choose um, three tweets of the week for gold, silver and bronze and in reverse order. I had a little bit to play in this, and I promise you, I innocently put this tweet out. It was an innocent tweet from me. I said, is Lily going a bit soft on Rex? To which I got this immediate response. That's the exact opposite of how Rex is going on Lily. (laughs) 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 Uh, That came in from Dominic Young, whose uh, Twitter handle is at Budgie500. So, Dominic, you win bronze. Silver Place is somebody who is regularly coming up with great tweets. I couldn't resist this. I know he gets them gone on many a week, but it's it's another one from, he's calling himself these days, Optopian 
And of course, his Twitter handle is I'm Buddhist. And he says, hurrah, Jazza returns to his passion, the sty who came in from the cold. Oh, I love <laughs> That's that. Good. I like that. Like Very that. Good. Very good. Couldn't resist that. And finally, in uh, Gold's position, this came off the back of a tweet from our Dumpty Dum uh, account, uh, looking to generate calls this week. And uh, it said, what a week. So what do you think? And there's a whole list of things to prompt people. And one of which was uh, pigs are we people. To which Ambridge Pig Collective, with their handle at Ambridge Porkers, replied... Can we just say that this is where we don't agree with Jazza? We are better than people. Oh, mm. yay! Yeah. Big up the pig. So that, that congratulations to at Ambridge Porkers. You are our gold tweet of the week. Very good. Now, can we just remind everyone how to get in touch? Remember to contact us. Go to dumtydum.com and leave a voice message on Speakpipe. Or send an email via the contact us box. You can text us on 07957 167 696 or send a WhatsApp voice note. If you're outside of the UK, it's 00 44 and on Twitter, we have the Dumpty Dum team who are pumping out the tweets and regularly appearing on the Daily Bagel of Top Tweeters. Uh, do remember to use a capital T and a capital A when using the hashtag The Archers because it means the visually impaired can read and enjoy everyone's tweets. Thanks as ever to our team of social media watchers, Shambridge for her voices, Lucy V. Freeman, and of course, our very own Royfield. Gosh, so now it's time to start the, the goodbyes. But, but first, Quentin and Rosie, I just want to say, I don't know about you, I'm exhausted having done this. Uh, I appreciate everyone bearing with us. I, I think we need to work on work on this, but we hope people can appreciate our, our first sort of stab at, at this. I think we've tried about 30 times to get this working today, haven't we? We've had a few, a few technical issues, haven't we, Philippa? Oh, my goodness. But our, but our commitment to this cause has seen us through. Yes. Well, we were well, not I, going to We began at, what, what was it, one o'clock? And it's now... Last week. Last <laughs> week. So we've been in the time capsule. We have managed to get through the space-time continuum. Oh. And it's still Monday. <laughs> Philip has done an amazing job keeping yeah. us on track. And thanks so much for stepping in and supporting Quentin and I today because it's been it's been great I've really enjoyed it it's been fun and uh, we we should we, we should be doing it more and more often in the future yes and practice makes perfect I think so let's uh yes we there'll be a bit more and, practice and Roy's all got a lion so it's a win-win isn't it yes but now we come to the music choice and I do have to say I listened to the very last line of the final episode of the week which was Chris saying I don't think I know anything anymore and I put that into Spotify. And would you believe there is a song entitled I Don't Think I Know Anything Anymore? It's a good title. Yeah, it's by uh, someone called Ryan Hood. And uh, so uh, uh, that's my pledged Roy Field. You see, we never know. We have no control over what he's going to play, but that would be my pledge. Quentin, Rosie, have you got a, a request on the old music department? 
No, I think go with that. I think it's a very good. That's a very, very good idea. I yes. second your emotion. I second your whatever emotion. that song oh, was. Yes, <laughs> yes I second I like your emotion. It. Brilliant. Yes. So, if Roy Field allows us, you will hear. I don't think I know anything anymore by Ryan Hood. Otherwise, he may put something else in, or he may have sacked us. And uh, yeah, this episode <laughs> will will never see the light of day. But um, Quentin Rosie, it's it's been a joy to be with you today. Lovely. And uh, you, 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 did, you did press record, didn't you, Philip? <laughs> yeah, it is recording, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> we love it so much. We could do it again, couldn't we, guys? But anyway, thanks, everyone. Thanks, lovely, lovely dum-de-dum community for just bearing with us. Just just keep bearing with us and, and we'll get there. It's keep a, the faith, bye-bye. guys. Yes, it's a bye-bye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. I don't